What's up, Kavanaugh? I love saying that. It shocks y'all. You're like, is that irreverent? What's up, Kavanaugh? Are you ready to worship the Lord today? We've already been doing it. We're going to keep doing it. Welcome. So glad that you're here. I have a question for you, though. This morning, I want you to answer this question. Is Jesus more like Mr. Rogers or William Wallace? Now, let me explain. Because the youth of today have no idea who Mr. Rogers is, right? And all the people my age and above say amen. Right? So Mr. Rogers, according to my sources, which uh, Brother Nathan enlightened me that my internet sources that I thought were reliable are not so much reliable. However, I have not had time to research this further, so if this is inaccurate, please correct me later, okay? But for right now, just nod and wave, like, yes, okay? So my sources say that Mr. Rogers was a minister. Did you know that? Who knew that? I don't know. Well, that's what Wikipedia says. So, and there's rumors that Mr. Rogers was in the military, but that is false information. He was not in the military, Ronnie, okay? That's what, that's what Wikipedia said. So, Mr. Rogers, though, can we all agree that he was a really nice guy? At least based on what we see up on TV. Are y'all alive this morning? Are you with me? Okay, it's all right to interact. Okay, you can, you can interact with me this morning. It's okay. I like it. You can, you can make a little noise. So, yes, Mr. Rogers was a really nice guy. And, in fact, he didn't, Galen, he didn't like what he was seeing on TV for the kids. So, he thought, you know, I'm going to make a program for kids. And he did, and I loved it. Who? Come on, who grew up watching Mr. Rogers? Right. Who has no idea who he is? Yeah, that's what I thought. Whew. You poor kids. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. That's right. So would you say that Jesus is a really nice Savior? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, however, could we say that Jesus is like William Wallace? Let me give you a little background on William Wallace. Who's familiar with William Wallace? Raise your hand if you're familiar with William Wallace. Anybody in here have a, a Scottish background? You have Scottish heritage. I don't know. I don't need it. I wish I did, man, because it'd be so cool if I really could add to this story. However, uh, William Wallace was a true character. He was a freedom fighter for Scotland, and in 1297, at the Battle of Stirling, he led his troops uh, into battle, defeated at, at that battle the English army, which started uh, the beginning of the freedom of the Scottish people. Let me give you a little background on this. Uh, the, the Scottish king had died, and there was no heir to the throne. So the Scottish nobles, they decided they would try to share the, the rule. That wasn't working. The English king intervened and ultimately took over power. Uh, that was King Edward I, and he began to dominate the Scottish people. Well, the Scottish nobles, who should be looking out for the interest of their people, instead got a financial kickback from King Edward, so they didn't rebel against his authority while their people were starving and in bondage, they looked the other way so they could enjoy their kickback. Well, this didn't set too well with William Wallace, so he put an army together. Uh, eventually, in 1305, he would be captured. He would be martyred, tortured to death. I, won't, I will spare you the gruesome details. But his death would go on to inspire his people to fight for freedom and eventually win their independence. He was a freedom 
fighter. So today, would you say that Jesus is a freedom fighter? Yes. So we can say that Jesus is like William Wallace. Yes, he's like Mr. Rogers, that he's kind and tender-hearted, but also Jesus is fierce. And he's a freedom fighter, and he came to set us free. So the answer to the question is, it was a trick question, he's both. Jesus is tender to those who need tenderness, and Jesus is a warrior to those who need freedom. So today we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Please turn there, or it's on the screen. I'll be reading from NIV this morning. Are we okay out there? Good. We're going to dive in to God's word this morning, Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And we're going to see today a scripture of when Jesus shows up at the synagogue. And we're going to see some interaction between Jesus and a lady that was in church that day. And we're going to, we're going to gather, we're going to glean from her life three applications that relate to us. Let's read from God's word this morning. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. How many? She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. Jesus saw her. He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan, who did I just say, has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with the wonderful things he was doing. Let's pray. God, today we bow before you. There is none like you. And you're a tender savior, but you are also a fierce freedom fighter. And we thank you for that. So today as we gather in this time in your house to put our worship and our focus on you, I pray that you will speak through me, Lord. In fact, Lord, would you just let me get out of the way? And would you let the people hear from you today and speak into their hearts and change lives as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you three things about this woman's life today that I think hit home to us. The first thing we see is this woman was stooped. She was stooped over. She was bent over. She could not straighten up. Now, people in the house over 40, how many of you have ever had back pain? Can I get an Amen. Can I get an oh me? I'm in my 40s now. Joy likes to remind me 45. I'm not 45 yet. That's two months away, okay? Month and a half away now, but what's it matter? Well, here's something I've learned. I'm starting to have a little back pain, and it's no fun. Back pain is no fun. Let me give you a story. You probably don't really care about it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. 
and you'll probably feel sorry for me and play a little violin. So a, not long ago, I was doing a little construction project, and I was, I was picking up some wood, and Dave, I didn't lift the proper way. You know, instead of keeping my back straight and, you know, re, you know, lifting with your legs, I reached out and tried to pick it up. Well, I felt a little tweak in the lower back. How many of y'all have ever experienced that? Raise your hand. Thank you for the support. You're feeling my pain. right? I was right there, you know. I was like, uh-oh. So I'm stretching it out. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I got this. We're okay. So I stretch it out. I go on work. I kind of forget about it, you know. Just manned up and gutted it out, you know. Just said, this doesn't bother me. I'm forgetting about it. Saturday came, man. I was doing great. Sunday, went to church and worshiped with you guys, okay? Got home. Joy was cooking something delicious in the oven. And so I, I was going to take it out of the oven. And when I leaned forward to pull the oven door open, it's really embarrassing to tell you all this. This simple of a move, leaned over, pulled the oven door open, and she went out. Lower back, Boom. I thought Jude had stuck me in the back with an ice pick. That's my seven-year-old. He's kind of ornery, but not really that mean. But, you know, I was wondering there for a second. I mean, all I know is I'm in the floor looking up, and Joy is like, what is wrong with you, weirdo? I'm like, my back, my back's out, you know? And so, oh, pinching the nerves. Have y'all been there? Any of y'all been there? It's not funny, is it? Well, it's funny when it's somebody else. It's not funny when it's you. It's kind of funny now, looking back on it, but at the time, I did not think it was funny. So I'm, man, I'm, can I tell you, I'm a, kind of a big baby. Man, I was not being a good patient. So I whined, and Miss Gal moped around, and, you know, and here's the bad part. We were going out of town. The, the pastors were on a preacher conference, and so that means I had like a five-hour drive in the people mover. If y'all have ever ridden in our people mover, well, it's a little um, bumpy, uh, rough. So I, I felt everything. Uh, you know, we stop at a gas station. It take me 10 minutes to get out. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> this is, wow. So now I know some of y'all in this room, you're like, you wimp, man. We deal with this stuff all the time. I, I get it, okay? I'll get there. I'll get there. I got I to develop some toughness in this. So well, we go through the weekend, and uh, man, it was a great time with all these preachers. But I'm telling you, I was hurt, and I couldn't hardly move. I couldn't sit still. You know, the, the, we'd have speakers, and I'm trying to like, oh, Lord, I want to listen, but can you please hurry because i got to get up, and I'm, you know, I'm hurting. And praise God for Ray Copeland, okay? I'm just saying, you all know Brother Ray, right? That's our primetimer pastor here at the church. Well, Brother Ray, he's had like every surgery known to mankind, okay? Lived to tell about it. And if anybody had empathy, it was Ray Copeland. My brother Ray, everybody else, the rest of the preacher, they all laughed at me. Nathan, you didn't get to go. You'd have been laughing at me if you were there. Man, you know? Um, laughing at me. No, yeah. Did you go to that one? No. You'd have been laughing at me if you'd been there. But brother Ray, God love him. He had compassion for me. And you know what he did? He was like a mother hen just taking care of me. You know? And I could whine to him. And he just listened, pat me on the head, give me ice packs, heating pads, you know, all this you know, electrical shock therapy. You know, Ray, if y'all don't know, he's like Dr. Ray, okay? And he's got this medical bag. He's got all this stuff, man. He's giving me all, I was better than the chiropractor. Who needs a chiropractor? I had Ray. Took care of me, got me through it, and look at me today. Upright and running, right? Until I open the oven door again. 
Mm, haven't touched that thing since, let me tell you. Whew. Watch out, guys. Those oven doors will get you, okay? Like vacuum cleaners. Stay away from them. Mm, bad. Whew, some lady's going to throw something up here now. Back pain's no fun. But this woman, listen, she had lived with this affliction for how many years? Freddie, 18 years. 18 long years. This woman, people, she couldn't straighten up. I'm going to attempt this. I hope my lower back doesn't go out now. If it does, uh, you know, don't laugh at me. But I envision, you know, this is her world right here. She cannot straighten up. All she can see is the ground in front of her. She can't see anybody. If she wants to see somebody, she's got to turn her head to look at him. And even as I'm doing this, the blood's going to my head. I'm about to pass out right now. Let me grab the podium. You know what I'm saying? This poor woman was in a miserable existence. She was trapped in her body. Now, I consulted a chiropractor. Ironically, uh, one that I had to use one year after church camp. But that's another story for another day. Uh, but I consulted him the other day. I said, hey, tell me about, and he's a believer. I said, tell me about this woman, you know, that was, uh, suffered this affliction of being severely bent over, uh, couldn't straighten up for 18 years. What would that do to the body? He said, well, first of all, it would stretch out the lower back muscles. So they would be like loose rubber bands. So that even if this woman were able to straighten up, guess what? The muscles would not support her. So she would be like a weevil wobble or like a, a lollipop that, you know, you're trying to stand up on, on its handle and it's just going to fall over. He said the second thing that would occur is that because of the displacement of her organs, she would have uh, severe issues with her digestive system, okay? And then thirdly, she would have so much arthritis that formed that the vertebrae would be fused together. So medically, with the, the medical technology of biblical day, there's no way that she could be healed. And I'm sure she tried it all. Interesting, the author, obviously, of this text is Luke. And Luke, even though he wasn't one of Jesus' direct disciples, Luke was a historian, and he was a medical doctor, and he took great care and detail in researching, and he interviewed many of the disciples, and God inspired him to write the book of Luke. So I love that he gives these medical tidbits, Don. You know, just little tidbits. He throws that in there because that was, his, that was part of his passion in life. So medically speaking, humanly speaking, this woman was in bad shape. She was trapped in her body. And nobody could do anything for her. She was humiliated. And no doubt she hurt all the time. But there's a second part to this that we don't want to overlook today. Because if you will notice, the scripture tells us that she was afflicted by who? Satan himself. Now listen to me. There are times in scripture where people were possessed by a demon. And Jesus would cast that demon out. And if that weirds you out today, it's okay. That stuff is real. And I'm going to tell you right now, if we open ourselves up to Satan, he can invade. That's why we stay away from witchcraft, from the occult, from fortune telling, any of that stuff, guys. You stay far, far away from it. Understand? Do you kids hear me? Stay away from that. 
I can laugh a little bit about it, but it is no laughing matter. It is serious. But if you're a believer and you've asked Jesus into your life, you don't have to worry about, is the demon going to possess me? Unless you start dabbling in it and you let that into your life. Okay? We're protected by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. But listen, this woman, she wasn't possessed by a demon. She was afflicted. Now, there's a difference. And this is what I want you to catch. Because none of us in this room are immune to being afflicted by the enemy. We have a real enemy. And Satan knows how to torment us. He knows how to tempt us. And wow, didn't Brother Will preach a powerful sermon last Sunday morning from Matthew 4 about the temptation of Jesus. And if you missed that, when you go home today, you pull it up online and you watch that sermon because it was powerful. And we are reminded that, listen, Satan knows how to set traps for each and every one of us. And today, you may say, man, this woman doesn't relate to me. I'm not stooped over. I don't have this kind of affliction. Well, listen to me. Satan wants to afflict you. He's got your number. And he can tempt you. And you know what he does with temptation? He dangles it out there. He gets us thinking about it. Pretty soon we act on it, and it, and it bears fruit in our lives, right? And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in bondage to addictions. And we can't get out of it on our own. We are like this lady that we're helpless. And listen, sometimes it's not that we've done something wrong. Sometimes trials just come upon us in this life. Sometimes there's just difficulties. You see, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I don't know this for sure, but in studying through this passage and thinking about this lady and just, just praying through this, it's what God kind of put on my heart. This was probably a real godly woman. She was serving the Lord. In fact, she may have been a warrior for the Lord. And I'll, I'll tell you why later in my sermon that I think this. But bottom line is, I think the devil targeted her because he saw her doing something great for the kingdom that was going to be hindering to him. So he began to afflict her. And he began to throw darts at her. And we see other people in scripture, right? Job, was he a godly man? Was he attacked by Satan? You better believe it. The Apostle Peter, what did, what did Satan want to do to him? The Bible says Satan wanted to sift him like wheat. He wanted to crush him up and let the wind blow him away. Do you think Satan wants to do that to you and me? You better believe it. You better believe it. This stuff is real. And listen, sometimes just the, the pressure of life, maybe it's financial or relationship, or it's, it's your job, it's, it's health, or it's bondage of sin, but sometimes all these things weigh on us and it begins to crumple us to the ground. And if we're not careful pretty soon, all we can see is right in front of us, the ground and our feet, and we can no longer look up to God and see a purpose and a plan for our life. We lose hope and all we think about is this problem that's bearing down on us. This woman can relate to you and we can relate to her because guess what? Listen to me. Ain't none of us getting out of this life without some scars. Amen? Life gets tough sometimes, people. And some of y'all, you've been through things I, I never will or can't even fathom. But we're all going to go through some stuff. 
And we're all going to find ourselves at one point where there's no other person on this earth that can do a thing for us but pray. And this woman was stooped over, but guess what? She didn't stay that way. She didn't stay that way because Jesus shows up in the house. Let's look at, let's look at verse 12 again from our scripture. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward. And he said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and she praised God. There goes my notes. <laughs> Go ahead, clap for the Lord, please. That's my announcements for after service. Don't wait, they're coming. She praised the Lord. She was set free. Have any of y'all ever been trapped before and you got set free? Man, well, I wanted to find a great story, you know, and I had some stories I could tell, but yeah, nothing really just jumped out at me. So I, was, I, I went online, and I was like, set free. And this story popped up, and I remember this story. It happened in 2003. Aaron Ralston, young man, adventurer, mountain climber, hiker, kind of an extreme person. Well, he was in southern Utah, and he was hiking at Robber's Roost. Now, apparently, they call it Robber's Roost because this is where the old outlaw gangs used to hide out after they had, you know, robbed the train, stashed their gold. So he's hiking in this canyon, and, and this, there's these big rocks, and they've got caverns where the rocks have just kind of separated, and you can climb down these caverns, you know, rappel down, and then hike out. Doesn't that sound fun? A little bit of space, you know, climbing down. Who wants to go? Not me. So he's, he's, he didn't tell anybody where he was going. He had enough water, you know, to live for a little while. He knew it was just going to be a short hike. As he's climbing down one of these narrow caverns, an 800-pound boulder breaks, traps his arm between the wall of that cavern and the, and the other side. He is stuck. He cannot get out. His arm is smashed, and he was desperate. Nobody knew where he was. He didn't have any way to contact anybody. And he knew he wasn't going to live. After five days, nobody had found him. And his water was running out. And he did the unthinkable. You see, his hand was smashed. And it, already the, the hand was, was dying. The tissue was dying. So he had a utility tool. And, and using the knife that was on that, he, was, he severed his own hand. To get free. Now, people, that's desperation. Right? Don't pass out on me if you're squeamish. That's crazy. But guess what? He knew it was life or death. And he said, at that point, I didn't care. I wanted to be free. He got out of there. And guess what? He's alive today. Married. Has a family. Listen, this woman, she was between a rock and a hard place. But what did she do? Did she say, oh, woe is me. God has turned his back on me. I, for 18 years, I've been like this. My life's miserable. This isn't fair. And God, I'm just going to be bitter. I'm going to be mad at you because of what's going on in my life. Could she have done that? Could she have found justification for that? Well, to some people she could have. But what did she do? Where was she on the Sabbath? Where was she? Talk to me. She was in church. Sorry. She was in church on the Sabbath. She didn't let anything stop her worship. She could have said, I don't feel like I'm hurting I'm just going to stay home. But what did she do? She said, 
Nothing's going to get in the way of me and God. And I'm going to be there in his house. And I'm going to praise him even when I hurt. I'm going to praise him. And so she went to God's house that day. And what happened? Who showed up? Jesus. Y'all can talk to me. It's okay. All right? Jesus showed up. Wow. And what did Jesus do? Jesus saw her. He put his eyes on her. Do you think she'd been overlooked for 18 years? Probably. She'd probably just been kind of passed over, set aside. There's no hope for her. People might look at her, have some pity, but they looked away because it was uncomfortable. Maybe she felt insignificant. Jesus put his eyes on her because he wanted her to know, you're special to me, and I see you, and I love you, and i got a plan for you. Guys, listen to me. I want you to get this. Jesus sees you today. He created each and every one of us. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And he loves you. Your life's not going to be perfect. Don't think it ever will be. We live in a sin-cursed world. But Jesus sees you. And he's going to see you through anything that you're facing. Just trust him. The second thing Jesus did is he spoke to her. And you know, I wonder, had this woman been spoken to? I mean, really, really talked to in a long time. I don't know if she had a family. But what if she did? What if she was all alone? What if, what if nobody really spoke to her than just a casual, hey, good morning, good to see you, sister, so-and-so. And people go about their way. But Jesus spoke truth into her life. Listen, sometimes you're going to feel like, man, I'm beat up, I'm downtrodden, I'm all alone. Listen, God speaks to you right here. This is his word, this is his love letter, this is his inspired story of how we can have a relationship with him. Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants to be your best friend. He wants to be your savior. You can talk to him every day. Get on your knees, get in the word, because Jesus has something to say to you. Sometimes we're too busy, but we got to make time. And let Jesus speak into your heart. And what was the third thing that Jesus did for this woman? He stretched out his hand. He put his hands on her. And he said, woman, you are free. What Satan has bound for 18 years is now set free. You are loose from this infirmity. And she straightened up. The touch of God changed her life. Wow. Guys, that's exciting. And if you're not excited, I'll be excited for you. Because listen... Jesus has reached down, and he has touched us. And you say, how, Jason? How can he do that? Because of the resurrection. And when Jesus ascended, he sent his Holy Spirit, which is God in the Spirit. And when we trust Jesus as Savior, God's Spirit comes down, touches us, and dwells in us, making us new, straightening us up. What Satan tried to destroy, God has made new. God has restored. We are forgiven. The bad is gone. People, be excited. It's okay. You can say amen. You can say praise the Lord. We've been set free. We are standing straight because God has given us new life. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I don't have to carry every sorry thing that I've ever done around on my shoulders for the rest of my life. Who loves guilt? It's no fun, is it? And the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we need that, but when we confess it, 
Jesus forgives us. People, that's freedom. And we can stand up and put our chest out and say, thank you, Lord, because I'm yours. You bought me with a price. And Jesus did that. It cost him dearly, but he did it out of love. So what was this woman's response? What did she do? Look at, look at verse 13. The end of verse 13, immediately she straightened up and she praised who? She praised God. She was excited. She couldn't hold it in. Do you think she said, thank you, Lord, for doing this? That's my best impression of a lady. Sorry, ladies, no disrespect. She said, Woo! I'm set free. I can stand straight. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Wow. Have any of y'all ever been excited? Huh? Have any of y'all ever shouted? If you've ever even let a little shout out, just raise your hand. If you ever sh little shout, big shout, you've ever done it. Yes! I knew we had some shouters in here. Let me tell y'all a story. Now, this one's true. Nathan, you know, man, he burst my bubble this morning. I thought I was really using, you know, I thought Wikipedia was like legit. Did y'all? Who knew that that's not legit online? Really? I got to get out more. Well, this story that I'm going to tell you is true. Because the one telling it lived it. Are y'all ready to hear it? Yes, thank you. Prior High School Soccer Stadium. April 1991. Best year ever. Homecoming night for the Prior Tiger seniors. That's me, one of the Prior Tigers. We are playing the fierce Union Redskins from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Unquestionably, Ken, one of the best teams in the state. They had not had a single goal scored in conference play. Now, I know y'all don't care about soccer. I understand, okay? It's football. It's baseball. It's basketball. I get it. I know. I know my audience. But just pretend for a minute that you care about soccer, okay? Get in your soccer zone. Are you with me? Get in the zone. Okay. They're undefeated. And I'm going, why is this homecoming? <laughs> Who set this up? The whistle blows. The game starts. And as expected, Union gets a fast break. They score a goal. However, Doug, they were offsides. I know that doesn't mean anything to y'all that don't follow soccer, but it just means they were out of position. It was an illegal play. The sideline official waved the goal back. Now, it doesn't hurt that the sideline official was my junior high principal. <laughs> Mr. McLean. Mr. McLean, if you're watching this, I love you, man. Woo! So, it was a, it was a legit penalty. It was. He's an honest man. He called the penalty. Yes! Their coach, he got so mad, he was tossed out of the game. I'm like, yes. <laughs> the game resumes, and to everyone's amazement, including our own, we score a goal. <laughs> Woo! The crowd's speechless because they didn't expect it. We score another goal. 
and another and another. We win four to one. May I repeat, four to one. Yes. Woo! We are so excited. This was the greatest underdog story that was never told or never had a movie made about it. And I know y'all don't care. Right here. I'll never forget it. Now, would y'all say that I'm kind of laid back and chilled? I mean, up here I get pretty fiery, but on a day-to-day basis you come in. Am I pretty chilled? Probably. Pretty laid back. Whew, you think I was chilled at the end of this game? Now, we were, this is our last soccer game. Most of us guys have been playing together since we were eight years old. Again, I know you don't care, but just act like this is sentimental to you. This was our last game we'd ever play together. That's it. Seniors will never play again together. Oh, my goodness, at the end of the game, we went crazy. We were yelling. We were high five. We made a dog pile at center field. It was awesome. Wow. The crowd went crazy. And then we graduated, and nobody cares. <laughs> and y'all are like, in this story, you're killing me. Whoo! We were shouting. Now, some of y'all in here, you call the hogs, don't you? Huh? Now, you Okies, you're like, right? No, I'm from Oklahoma, but I'll call the hogs. I love the hogs. Just don't play my cowboys, and we're good. Right? Yeah, cowboy fans, amen? All two of you? <laughs> Listen, we get fired up about who wins the game, but Jesus won the war. Who cares about the game? Jesus won it all. And we can be excited about that, and we should be excited about that. Listen, when I was a, a kid, I and uh, Eli's uncle Andy, he went up to the altar and, man, gave his life to the Lord. And, you know, it's great. We're all praying. Yeah, you know, a few little tears from, you know, some people. We're excited. Everybody sits down. All of a sudden, my grandpa, my grandma, Grams. She stands up. She's in heaven now, but Graham stands up, and she goes, Woo! You know, and she does it again, and I'm like, Whoo! Well, Grandma, what do you do? And all my buddies are like, Dude, your grandma, she's, she's wigging out over there. What's wrong, what's wrong with Graham's? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I don't know who she is. I, that's not my grandma. That's somebody, you know. I'm like, What's wrong with Graham's? But then it hit me. She's partying with the angels. Right? When a soul comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven see it. And what do they do? They rejoice. They praise the Lord. They party. They shout. That's what Grams was doing. She got it. She got it. And listen, make no mistake about it. This woman, she got it. And when Jesus straightened her up and when Jesus set her free, whoo, she was jumping. She was shouting. She was pulling a King David. I'm going to dance and shout. Uh, with all my might and praise the Lord and nothing's going to stop me I don't care who says what Jesus was her hero and listen do you think people criticized her oh yeah you better believe it you better believe it and they criticized her who was it it was the religious leaders of the synagogue that should have been rejoicing with her but they criticized her and they put on their holy voice and they said there's six days to heal. But you should not heal on the seventh day or the Sabbath day. And what did Jesus do? 
Here Jesus goes freedom fighter. He'd been tender. He'd been Mr. Rogers for this woman, right? Tender to her. But then Jesus goes William Wallace. He said, you hypocrites. Right? Jesus calls them out. He said, listen, would you let your livestock out and give them a drink on the Sabbath? And all of a sudden they're like, uh-oh. Wish we wouldn't open our mouths. Jesus called him out, and he, he set him straight, didn't he? And he said, you care more about an animal than you do this daughter of Abraham? And again, look at this. Look at this. What's he call her? Daughter of Abraham. Most time in Scripture, when somebody's referred to Abraham's children, it's son of Abraham. Because, you know, in the Bible, sadly, uh, in biblical times, women weren't always regarded that highly. But Jesus, he brought equality. Right? Sons and daughters were all heirs of his kingdom. Right? Amen? And he said, this daughter of Abraham's been set free, and you care more about your animals? Come on, man. She's been set free. And what did the people do? They said, yeah, warrior, freedom. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we glorify you. They were excited. He was their hero. Guys, today, Jesus has come, and he set us free. We can praise him for that, right? We should praise him. Aren't you loving this Praise the Lord series that Brother Will's taken us through. And I love what he said in the first day of this, this series. That God inhabits the praise of his people. That means when we're praising him, where's God at? Woo! Right here. Where's our Savior? Woo! Right here. Where's our freedom fighter? He's in the house. And he wants to set you free. So today, some of y'all, you've got junk in your life. You've got bondage or you've got trials in your life. Jesus wants to set you free. He does. Now, is he going to take it all away, poof, like that, like he did for this lady? Well, it wasn't exactly poof, was it? It was 18 years. Guys, you may never, you may never get out of it on this side of eternity, but make no mistake about it. Jesus is going to kill you in eternity. He'll bring peace and perfection. Just see him. Just trust him to see you through it, okay? Maybe today you're like, oh, I haven't went through anything like that. Well, then why don't you praise him for what he's kept you from? But today, I invite you just to come and say, Lord, I'm going to praise you. God, I'm going to lift your voice up because you are my tender warrior. And I will praise you today. Let's pray. I'm going to ask everybody to stand, all heads bowed. We're going to prepare for our invitation. I've been so excited to share this message with you. But it's not about me. And listen, this is the most important part of the service right now. A lot of times we just want to, oh, let's just breeze through the invitation. Let's get it over. Guys, listen, this is the time to come and pray and worship our Lord together corporately. And we open the altars up where we can just say, Lord, this is a special place. And you're a holy God, and I want to humble myself in your presence. And I want to, number one, seek help. And listen to me right now. Listen to me. All heads are bowed. Nobody looking around. If there's somebody in this room today and you don't know Jesus is your Savior. You don't know if you died today where you'd spend eternity. Don't leave without getting it nailed down. Jesus died for you. He died for your sins. He was buried in a tomb and he rose again on the third day victorious. And that gives him the power to forgive you of your sins. So you can come today and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I trust you as my Savior. And you become a believer. You are set free. If you've never done that, I'm going to invite you in just a minute after I pray to come to the altar. You don't have to fear anybody in this room. We will rejoice with you, I promise. You'll not be judged if you come to this altar today to ask Jesus into your heart.
But, hey, Christians across the room, do you have some trials? Do you have some temptations? Do you have some things pressing on your life? Would you come today and say, Lord, would you bear this for me? Lord, help me get through it. And then Christians across the room, would you come today and say, Lord, I'm just going to get down on my knees and I'm going to praise you because you set.